This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ, brought to you with support from our friends at Owner's Box with their new way to enjoy fantasy sports. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in beautiful Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters, which are over there in Madison, Wisconsin. I bet it's as sunny there as it is here, AJ. I wonder what the weather's been like for you, but we haven't seen snow here for a week already, and uh, that's the earliest I can remember uh, for winter's departure. I hope I'm not being premature here. Uh, I mean, you might be. We just got snow yesterday. Uh, nothing like a, a March snow here in Wisconsin. So, yeah, we're, uh, we got, you know, two to four inches, but weather's supposed to warm up, so... Hopefully uh, it'll be gone, you know, before we know it. <laughs> Very good. Well, we're reaching my golf threshold here, which is 60 degrees. So as soon as the courses are open, I'm going to be lining up there to hit uh, the crooked sticks around some some grass uh, in the near future. And I'm going to play a lot this year. I'm looking forward to that aspect. But uh, we got to talk hockey today, AJ, on the podcast. And uh, we're into the second half of the schedule. And you can see the intensity being dialed up uh, in in the North Division, at least uh, the rivalries are heating up big time. And I'm sure you're seeing the same thing in in the divisions uh, in the States, and uh, particularly with the Penguins and their heated rivalries that they have with with, uh, teams that are nearby. I also noted last week, AJ, that the NHL signed a TV deal with ESPN. That's huge news. What is it that you know about that aspect? Yeah, I mean, seven-year deal, um, you know, sounds like uh, it's about $50 million, give or, give or take a couple mil, but it sounds like it's about $50 million more uh, than their previous deal with NBC. Uh, interestingly enough for, for people down here, uh, NHL.TV, the, the NHL's like streaming service is going to go away, um, and they're just going to fold that into uh, ESPN plus. So, you know, Disney continues to own everything here south of the border uh, as they add that one to it as well. Um, you know, for me, that's totally fine. I've, I've got two kids under three here, so we already have Disney plus and, and ESPN plus. So it's, uh, you know, just 
easier access for, for us for the NHL games, that's for sure. AJ, I know with the rivalry aspect that I noted already, and we've ta- seen all, all uh, season so far, there's some interest north of the border to retain the Canadian division or at least see more games in the division uh, next year, whether the, whether or not they revert to the old, uh, old uh, divisions from a year ago. What's your sense? Do you think that the Canadians can look forward to the Canadian division, or do we expect that there's going to be a return to the old format and uh, maybe more increased play even even within those divisions going forward? Yeah, what I would expect is we might see some uh, a tweak in format so that there's more to, like in-division games, but I would definitely expect that they'll revert in terms of alignment. Look, we, we have Seattle coming in, so we have to figure out how to get them in. Yeah. Uh, you know, in. So that's part of it. And let's be honest, when you've got a, a East division that includes the Islanders, the uh, Capitals, the Penguins, the Bruins, and the Flyers, look, you're guaranteeing some guys are going to miss out on the playoffs. And so I think they're better suited to move Boston uh, back to the Atlantic and, and you know, sp- spread things out a little bit more there, that's for sure. Well, and when you talk about that, spreading things back to where they were, I look at the Atlantic Division teams and there's Tampa, there's Boston, there's Toronto, there's Florida. There's the, Those are four excellent clubs. And uh, there'll be a couple of other teams that are starting to get a little bit better too. So there's going to be some heated uh, competition in those two divisions for sure. And and you look at the California-based teams, it looks like San Jose and, and Los Angeles are showing some signs of life. So uh, a return to the old division formats is still going to have some, some compelling races and, and storylines and we hope to be here to tell those stories next year, but we got to talk about this year, AJ, still uh, with the standings getting tighter in some of the divisions and uh, the, the race is on. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll plan to get into the talk of the 31 teams once again, as usual. But before we do that, AJ, I always give you the floor to remind our listeners about the great work that's being done at Owner's Box. Hey, NHL fans, Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They are the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform that combines the best elements of the industry into one product. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts, uh, social interaction, and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. The best part about weekly fantasy sports is there's no long-term commitment Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. No more falling subject to unfair payouts as up to 50% of users win money. Owner's Box also allows users to brand themselves and engage socially across the platform in multiple different ways. Add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Think you have what it takes to be a weekly fantasy guru? Head over to ownersbox.com and start making a name for yourself today. In honor of the NHL season, if you sign up free now, Ownersbox will match your first deposit up to $500. What are you waiting for? Head over to ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and join the new wave of fantasy sports. I'm in. You sold me. So, AJ, you get the nod to start first. Uh, tell us what's going on with the Anaheim Ducks this past, past week. It was a tough one for them. They went one and three. Yeah, I mean, that's about what you expect out of Anaheim these days. Uh, you know, as you have mentioned, some, some sign of life uh, in terms of offense here. 
Shattenkirk getting a goal and three assists, uh, Max Comtois with three assists. I think the biggest thing that's going to surround this team is what pieces are going to be available on the market and, and none bigger right now than Ricard Raquel. His name's coming up on pretty much every uh, trade board, trade rumor mill uh, that, that you can expect. So I, I would be surprised if he finishes out the season there. Um, you know, the question mark is what are teams going to be able to get back? It's going to be really interesting to watch for, for the trade deadline. How many moves are we going to see between Canada and the U S I, I think that's going to be, you know, down, uh, when you consider there's a, a 14 day quarantine period. So I, I, you know, there, and then, you know, to that end, our Canadian team's going to want to trade with each other <laughs> to make each other better. I, I'm not sure that's uh, really going to happen. So, you know, if you, if you consider that that's not really an option and the market for a guy like Raquel is limited by, you know, seven teams essentially being out of the mix. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Hopefully we still have some excitement here, but I think that's about all you can hope for, for Anaheim these days, you know, one watching Trevor's the Grays play some hockey and see what you have in the future. And then two, seeing who's going to get sold and shipped out. Yeah, AJ, you make a great point. In terms of the possible trade horizon with the restrictions between the borders, there is some talk that they're going to reduce the quarantine to seven days as a special dispensation to the NHL, but uh, nothing conclusive yet. And if that doesn't get straightened out, you're probably going to be right. There's going to be a little bit of an impact in terms of the total number of trades. But Raquel is definitely a guy that's being dangled right now. Another name in the, the, this roster that is I'm hearing things about, but I don't know who would want to take a shot at him at right, the way he's playing, is David Back. He's got a big ticket item, but now that most of the money's been paid out, it uh, might not cost that much to team, for teams to take that on the rest of the year, although there is the salary cap impact, and Anaheim would have to likely retain a big portion of that hit to make it feasible for some teams to take him on. If they're looking for some physicality in their bottom six, that's really what the veteran brings to the table at this stage in his career. Over in Arizona, there is some news about one of your favorite players in mind. Phil Kessel has moved up to the top line, AJ. This is a team that struggled last week. They went 1-2-1. and one. Antti Ranta is uh, the guy that's still the workhorse in that. He had three game starts, had only one win, but allowed only five goals against. That tale of the tape tells you that scoring has been an issue in the last little while here. And veterans Drake Kajula and Derek Broussard have been relegated to fourth-line duty. They didn't bring these guys in to play fourth-line minutes in this club. They wanted the veteran leadership to be no worse than third-liners, but they still simply haven't performed very well. Dryden Hunt has been a recent recall, and we'll get a look at the left-wing spot on the third line. This guy is a guy who's been around the club for a while, but really not made an impact in the past. I don't see him making a big impact now. On the blue line, uh, AJ, Alex Goligoski is a name that I thought that uh, would be among the better puck movers and, and scorers among the defensemen in Arizona, but his offensive game has all but disappeared. Can you imagine? This guy's only got two assists in 28 games played. That's They're paying $5.5 million on, the, on an expiring cap hit for this guy. All i got to say is yikes. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's somewhere that that uh, the Coyotes could go if if they're willing to retain half of it for the rest of this season. Maybe somebody would be interested in him at at a slightly lower price tag and and thinking, you know, hey, we can rehabilitate this guy for for where he's at, and they're not, you know, they're not concerned about the fact that he's thirty five years of age. And look, I'll just keep the trade rumor uh, <laughs> swirling. I've seen Darcy Kemper's name out there a little bit, which is. You know, surprising considering he's dealing with an injury right now. 
Um, but their goalie situation is, is pretty uncertain. Uh, Antti Ranta will be an uh, unrestricted free agent. Aiden Hill will be a, uh, a restricted free agent. Kemper, the only one locked up beyond this year, but that could add value if they're willing to trade him because, you know, it's not a pure rental for them. Obviously the Seattle expansion draft looms large over all these decisions, uh, you know, based on who you're going to expose and, and all that. I'll take us to the Boston Bruins uh, who went one, one and one over the last week. And that doesn't include a loss last night. Throw that one in there. Um, <laughs> uh, Halak has faced a pretty heavy workload, obviously with, with Tuka Rask unavailable have to imagine he'll get the night off tonight with it being a back to back, but his numbers haven't been great over that stretch. Uh, you look, you know, just one win in the, in those contests, the one win was a shutout over the Rangers. So that'll always improve your numbers. But other than that, you're looking at, you know, a 0.929 save percentage, a couple, you know, pretty bad games there, four goals allowed uh, against the Rangers in the follow-up game. Kind of interesting. They had two 4 games against the Rangers. One went one way, one went the other. Uh, you know, the, the top line continues to produce uh, at, at decent levels, but for them, maybe not quite. You know, Pasternak, two goals in three games. That's fine for 99% of the league, but when you're David Pasternak, you, you know, you expect maybe a goal a night at this point. Uh, Brad Marchand, four assists. You mentioned his name. You I mentioned. know, Paul, I know. <laughs> but you know what? The guy produces. We can't, uh, unfortunately, you know, he can go into your black book, but uh, uh, I'm, I'll, I'll pick up the load and I'll have to All talk right. to him. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, you mentioned about Tuka Rask being out of lineup. There's no real detail about what's up with him, and he's going to miss action tonight, as you indicated. That means Daniel Vladar has is, is been brought up to probably take that game start. It'll be his first one of the season, and uh, the guy's been in the minor system for Boston for a while. Uh, now ordinarily, I'd say maybe take a flyer on him, but their defense is really compromised right now. You can add Brandon Carlo to a growing list of injuries. Uh, on the blue line, Kevin Miller, Brendan Carlo, John Moore, Jeremy Lozon. That's four guys that would normally be in their top six defensemen uh, most nights. And so uh, the defensive structure of Boston is is definitely being compromised. You mentioned a couple of four spots on the ledger. That's unusual and uh, all related to the, to the lack of defensive structure and, and quality back there right now. In Buffalo, we, uh, boy, we are feeling sorry for the fans in the Queen City. That's all we can say. This team's now on a 10-game winless streak, and uh, the news just got worse with Jack Eichel's neck injury. We're being told that he may miss the rest of the season. He's definitely be on long-term IR, and you wonder if he is on a long-term IR situation. Why would they bother bringing him back late in the season anyway? In a lost year for the Sabres. I don't want to say they're tanking. But without their signature player, you know, there's no reason to, to rush him back for any reason at all. If you're looking for a bright light here, it's it's Reinhardt. He picked up two goals, but that's the only bit of positive news offensively. There's been some line shuffling, as you can imagine. Riley Sheehan has moved up into the first-line center role. He was a fourth-liner in Detroit not so long ago, so that tells you just how bad things are looking right now. Uh, to continue the swirling trade rumor talk, Eric Stahl is the guy they brought over here to to uh, plug in some offense. Uh, it's been wanting for much of the season, but the veteran might be a guy that is attractive to other teams who are looking for a boost in, in uh, scoring uh, for, for their depth chart, and Stahl in a better situation could 
be an interesting option for some clubs and so his name is out there in a big way uh, on the blue line youngster jacob bryson is getting bigger minutes on the back end notched his first goal after playing 10 games so uh, the fantasy relevance is lacking there too but at least that's a new face and you can they are evaluating him to see what what they have another player that's getting an evaluation is jonas johansson tabbed as a goalie prospect of the future perhaps but he's been shelled for 20 goals in his five starts to date yeah, I mean, it just keeps getting worse for this club. I mean, you look at the outlist right now, you've got Cousins, Eichel, McCabe, Olmark, you know, so from bad to worse, really. Um, and, and there's just not much to, you know, again, this is another team that I think you're just waiting to see what what gets shipped out. The Eric Stahl trade rumors are, are pretty high up there, which, you know, shouldn't come as a surprise when you consider, uh, you know, he's on a, a short-term deal here. Uh, so that's you know and even if they if they retain salary you're looking at about a 1.7 uh, one point yeah about 1.7 cap hit for Eric Stahl who could be a third line center on a lot of teams uh, that are contenders I, I think that's really um, you know the value that they're going to get out of here I, I apologize I don't have it in front of me but I saw a tweet from a, a local news guy there in Buffalo uh, that had a poll question of what would happen more in last night's game, Sabres goals or players for the Sabres named Rasmus? Uh, well, they didn't score any goals last night. So the, the Rasmus side won as they have Ristolainen, Dahlin, and Asplin up playing with them. So that's about all that the Sabres have going for them these days. It's, it's pretty dark days, as you said, in the, in the Queen City there. And Carolina, Things are the opposite end of the ice. They're 3-0 last week, undefeated in their last uh, eight games. You've got Alex Nedeljkovic leading the way uh, for them. Two wins, uh, three goals allowed in his last two games. Uh, and, and really, you know, this is a team that's putting up solid numbers on all you know sides of the ice. I really, It's hard to find any sort of weakness in this team right now. Um, you know, if you really want to dig for it, Vinny Trocek uh, was out and played only one game. Uh, he was out with an injury. Spechnikov has no goals in his last three games. But you've got Doggery Hamilton producing at a decent level. Aho is a point per game right now. Their power play is working for him. They've gotten really good goaltending out of Neto Djokovic and Reimer while, uh, you know, with uh, Mrazic's sideline. So, not too much bad to say here. And, and really, you know, you talk about, you know, if they look for something to add, I mean, with Trocheck out, maybe you look for a third line center. So I guess it's going to depend on how long you expect to be without Trocheck, whether they're a player in the market. But really, did they need anything on D? Not really. I don't really think they need goaltending at this point. So for me, I don't see this team being a huge player on the on the trade market just because there's not much that they need. Do you see anything different, Paul? Well, there is some concern about the Trocek situation. Initially, it wasn't feared that he would be out a short, uh, a long term, but it's looking like that. The coaching staff revealed last week that he's going to be out a couple of weeks at least, and maybe longer. So, if it's depending on that prognosis, that they'll definitely want to fill that. Uh, hole and I wonder if can you imagine if Eric Stahl goes back to to Carolina that would be a really neat storyline over there but uh, they brought up Morgan Geeky a young center of uh, with some promise and he scored last week too so there is some depth in the minors that could 
help them, but you definitely think they're looking for, for veteran uh, support back there. Our old pal Jake Gardner is struggling to stay in, in the lineup and stay relevant here. He's out with a, a, a day-to-day listing on his his status, and I wonder if he is looking for greener pastures. Could be a guy that has dealt. Uh, there was even a tweet in Toronto here. Maybe we should get him back with the lease because they want some more veteran presence on the blue line. That would be an interesting fit. I, I think that he was a whipping boy here in Toronto for quite a, a while toward the latter part. By of- you, Paul. By you. Yeah, you that, whipping boy. That's <laughs> that's true. I'll say I was I was kind of leading that parade, but I have a bit of a soft spot for him just because of his ties to Toronto. I say, and the offensive side of his game. But boy, he was a giveaway machine here. Like I can't remember too many others. In any case, the rest of the the story in Carolina is very positive. They're neck and neck with the Maple Leafs at the top of the NHL standings right now but they're definitely uh, a very red hot team undefeated in their past eight another team that's pretty red hot since their coaching change is the calgary flames aj they've won three straight with their victory last night in the battle of Al- latest edition of the battle of alberta coming out on top of, in a game that i watched last night and boy the intensity is really there between those teams uh, on a nightly basis but it's fueled by the fact that they're uh, really competing now in a big log jam in the north division jacob markstrom picked up two wins in his only two starts last week and then added another last night so keeping the goals against down gives this team a chance to win every night the guy's on one of the top goalies in the league once again it seems he's on top of his game and offensively they're getting some support from people that have been struggling in the last little while josh levo had two goals last week and sean monahan seems to be back on top of his game but it's a weak right side of of this offense that i'm i want to talk about for a minute uh, it, the top lines feel it fe- featured dylan dubay and brett ritchie uh, in scoring line roles you wouldn't have had me pick them for scoring line duty at the beginning of the season i still don't think that that they are serious contenders if unless they can bolster that right flank so uh, i just wonder if levo can push his level uh, to what it was when he was with vancouver on the top line with elias patterson but i think it had a lot to do with the the european phenom out there and uh, levo's success Tanev is drawing kudos for his defensive play here. He is another guy that came along from Vancouver along with Markstrom in free agency. And uh, while the defensive side of the game has been there, uh, scoring is down from his modest norms even. So uh, you're not going to get any offense from him. But it's his partner that's picked up his game a little bit uh, of late. Noah Hannafin had been struggling much of the season, but he looked good last night. And uh, if he can play at that level, maybe, maybe he becomes relevant again in DFS. I would like to see him try Sam Bennett over on that, that right-hand side. I know he's been much maligned, um, and he's been moved to center, to wing, back and forth. But I, I think there's a, a chance he could provide them a little bit something on that right-hand side that they're just not getting from, from Dubé or Richie or obviously Manjapani, who at points in the season has been on the first line as well. So uh, that's, that would be my solution. If, if I was running the team, I would try Sam Bennett over there. Um, but obviously I'm, I'm not seeing him every day at practice and, and maybe there's a concern that comes out of that in Chicago, tough week for them. One and two, uh, over that stretch, Patrick Kane continues to do Patrick Kane things. He's got one goal and three assists in his last four games. And here's what you have to love. If, if you're a Hawks fan, you know, this is what we talked about the rebuild, um, this kind of being a bonus here. Well, you got Brandon Hagel with two goals, one assist, Adam Bachwist one goal, two assists, Dominic Kubalik, one goal, two assists. So you're, you're getting production out of these young prospects, young guys that, that you've been hoping can help you 
really a rebuild. And, and it's, you know, because of what Patrick Kane's been able to do because of the emergence of Kevin Lincoln. And it's really turned around from a rebuild to a retooling almost um, around a similar core of, you know, Kane, Duncan Keith um, and, and, and so what. So uh, I, I think there's some really good things. And, and again, I will continue to call anything they get out of this year a bonus year for them. Um, the future is certainly bright. You know, you're going to see stumbles like this along the way, especially, you know, honestly, when you have Malcolm Subban as your backup goalie, you're going to have stumbles along the way. I'm just, I've never been sold on his game. I continue to not be sold. He got shelled six goals allowed against Dallas, uh, you know, last week. And, and so it's, it's going to happen. Right. And one other note, uh, a couple of things that are related, actually. David Kampf is, look, is a guy that we list at Rotowire as the number one center for now, and he becomes relevant because he's playing again uh, in between two of the hottest scorers in their division, and Debrinkat and Kane. So maybe if you take a, a DFS flyer on a stack for Chicago, uh, putting Kampf in there could, could provide some surprising results. Uh, the reason why he's there, though, is because the likes of Dylan Strom and Kirby Dock are on the sidelines. At least they got some good news about Dock. Recently, that he was expected to be out till mid-April, but now they're pushing it forward, and he might even come in at the tail end of March or the first of April is the target date now. So, a team that is surprised so far this year is going to get some some help one way or another, and uh, the addition of Dylan Strom might not be too far behind that. So, as the playoffs approach, if the Hawks can make it, they're going to get some help from the cavalry that has been sidelined for a while. The Columbus Blue Jackets, this is a team that is going to struggle uh, to make the playoffs, I think, AJ. They're 1-1-2. One, one, uh, some offensive contributions of note, though. Uh, Bjorkstrand with three goals and two helpers. Wierenski got off the mat and finally started to show his offensive game from the back end. A big week for him, two goals and three assists. Max Domi also becoming uh, relevant in the scoring stats for the first time since he arrived in Columbus that I can recall. And now listed as left wing on the second line. He got two goals and two helpers last week as well. Jack Roslovic continues to dominate uh, at center for Columbus uh, five assists to his ledger but uh, the question that lingers for me is how long can Torch mess around with Patrick Liney again he sat him out for the last portion of a recent game and they can't have a repeat of what happened with Pierre-Luc Dubois it's it's going to be a distraction that this team doesn't need and uh, boy he uh, he can't keep uh, picking notorious battles with his his top players and survive here I don't think one guy that could be on the move in Columbus uh, we've been hearing a little bit of noise around David Savard he's kind of a second level puck moving defenseman some offensive upside there and maybe even relevance as a maybe a an, an anchor an anchor or a quarterback to a second power play unit so that's his level of attraction and, and I expect he'll be moved because there's teams that want that uh, that piece in place for the postseason run with centers uh, Jenner and Tessier not producing Riley Nash is getting top six minutes and that's that's another indication that things are tough here because Nash has been a fourth liner in other stops around the league look you know it, coaching and parenting are, are much in the same you have to be consistent uh, to you know to get your point across and, and Torts is very consistent and demanding defensive play from his players don't make exceptions. You know, everybody needs to play a two-way game. But if there's a player that you need to maybe consider backing off on, it's Patrick Line. Look, his last 10 games, he's got one goal and one assist, and those came in the same game. So he's pointless in nine of his last 10. This is a guy you need to let just play offense. This is an offensive player. 
don't try and make him into a two-way player. That's just not his game. If you thought it was or it could be, you shouldn't have traded for him. I, I'm sorry. I don't think, and you know, I, I get it. I get you have a philosophy. I get you have, you know, organizational requirements. But he's not going to fit here if that's what you're going to do. And, you know, it's just setting things up for failure. Either Torch is going to get let go because they don't want to have the same thing happen, as you alluded to, or Line is going to, you know, they got to sign him. He's a, yes, he's a restricted free agent this summer, but he could just say, well, screw it. I'm, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not playing for this guy. And then they're back to where they would have been if they had just kept Pierre-Luc Dubois. So, look, something's got to give here. And I'm, I'm sorry, I, I hate to say that it's on the coach on this one, but call a spade a spade. Patrick Laine is an offensive player. He's never going to win the Selkie. Don't try and get him to be that kind of player. I like it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In Colorado, uh, another solid week for them. I, you know, it's kind of a broken record when you talk about this team. When they're healthy, they're just hard to beat. Three and one last week, Philip Grubauer, continues to carry the workload. If, if there's one thing to maybe be concerned about, I think that's it, how much he's playing um, because they don't have Pavel Francis available. But he rolled 3-1 and one in four games, 0.932 save percentage, 1.24 goals against average in that stretch. Uh, Nathan McKinnon with two goals, Berkowski two goals, two assists, uh, and Ranton in one goal, three assists. So the top line producing at significant levels. And they're rolling without Kale McCarr on the back end and, and getting by without him. Uh, as we said, they had some injuries to other guys. JT Comfer getting, coming back, I think, is really going to bolster their bottom six here uh, or, or top nine, whichever way you want to look at it. So maybe if you're looking for a concern with this team, I say they need a backup netminder, um, somebody that can come in. I, I, this is where I've heard Darcy Kemper possibly as a, a rumored place to go. Um, and then on the flip side is, is maybe, a, you know, some depth at, in the bottom six. But I really don't think they need a lot, um, just some minor tweaks for Colorado because they're just steamrolling the rest of, you know, the bottom half of that division. And I don't see anything changing anytime soon. No, I, I agree with that assessment, AJ. So I'll just move on to Dallas, where the Stars went 2-1-1, one, and one, a rare positive week for them. It's been a tough season of late, uh, particularly with the Stars. Ottinger in the net continues to handle a lot of the, the starts. He had three of them last week, picked up one win and only five goals against. And similar to Anaheim, the, the situation is the goal score or Arizona rather, the goal scoring has been wanting here. Joe Pavelski's had a great year and continues to plug in some offense with two goals. John Klingberg had two from the back end. Rupe Hintz, two goals and one assist. And Robertson uh, has been a nice fit among the top six offensively. Picked up four helpers. The best news here, though, is Alex Radulov is back in the lineup. He's going to take up a spot on the left side of the second scoring line. And uh, Joe Pavelski's moved oddly to the third line on the left side to work with young center Rhett Gardner. I think that's the move there and the motivation to insulate the youngster with a veteran who's had a fantastic year offensively and an attempt to stretch this roster beyond just two lines that can put the puck in the net. So looking to uh, put a bump in, uh, in the production from the bottom six is the motivation there. But Pavelski will get a ton of work in special teams and 
and you can bet he's going to get some looks with some of the other top six players too as they move him around going forward so don't be too hung up on that third line status Radic Fax has been earning more minutes at center as his production has improved with four points in the last five games played could be some cheap cheap DFS value there uh, if you're looking for help in the bottom end when I look at this lineup, I, I honestly think this could be another place uh, for a guy like Eric Stahl. Like, could he jump into top six, top line, maybe even center in this group? I mean, center's pretty thin for them, in, in my opinion. Um, the only question for me is if they're buyers or sellers. And the tough part for Dallas, and even knowing that themselves, is the fact that they've played so you know so many less games, uh, so fewer games than everybody else. Yes, they're sitting seventh in the division right now, but they've got six games in hand on Chicago. I mean, six wins, that's, you know, 12 points. You're looking 36 overall. That's a playoff spot right there. So um, it's a hard spot for them to be in because they've played so many fewer games than than the other side. But I I do think if they're looking to go somewhere, uh, it's going to be in the center position overall. I think it's a, 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 a significant area of weakness for this team. For Detroit, the area of weakness in this team is pretty much everywhere. Um, so <laughs> a 1-1-1 one, one one week for them. You will see some pieces getting sold here, uh, absolutely. You know, Dylan Larkin is maybe one of the very few untouchable pieces for them. Two goals uh, this past week. Anthony Manta, two goals, two assists. Philip Ronick, five assists. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I think there's, there's, everything's open for business here, uh, and what they might look in return, maybe a goalie prospect, you know, somebody on the younger side, um, that could potentially be the netminder of the future, because that's the one thing they definitely don't have right now. And Jonathan Bernier or Thomas Grice is a, is a netminder of the future. They've got their top center in Dylan Larkin, but other than that, there's just so many problems with this lineup and so many players that, uh, could become something, but just, you know, we're still waiting on it. Philip Zadina, Evgeny Svechnikov, uh, even Hronik a little bit. Uh, what, when are these players going to develop? Can they develop and, and really start to build a lineup around them? And they're still waiting for good news on the Tyler Bertuzzi front. This is one of the youngsters that they're pinning their hopes on the future for. He was expected to be back in the lineup fairly soon, but there's a little bit of hesitancy now, a bit of a delay in that prospect. So uh, keep an eye out for that situation change. And also, uh, in terms of trade rumors and possibilities, Bobby Ryan has done a nice job to rehabilitate his life, a really nice job, I'll say. And he's had a decent bit of production for the Wings. and, And I think he's done enough to make himself relevant to other teams who are looking for some secondary scoring from a guy who uh, should be capable of delivering it in a in a more uh, balanced lineup let's say a lineup that offers him some support and and some people that can play with him and say a third line role somewhere else uh, philip ronick you mentioned another nice offensive week this guy's going to be a real good player in the wings for a lot for a long time i got a lot a lot of time for him and i think he's fantasy relevant right now so uh, don't be afraid to sneak him into your lineup. he runs a very good power play uh, with his his ability to uh, shoot as well as pass and, and really sees the ice well this guy's got a really good hockey
hockey IQ, and Red Wings fans are looking for his development. I also want to say something about the goalie mix. You mentioned the veterans, Bernier and Grice. I'd like to see them give a shot to Caden Fulcher, AJ. This guy is probably uh, a goalie prospect of the future for them, most definitely. And with the two uh, guys ahead of him in their 30s, you want to see what, what they have here for the future. Why not take a, a crack at him now? I don't understand why they haven't uh, given him a, a look-see, uh, and I expect that they will at some point. Over at Edmonton, the Oilers rebounded from a shellacking that the Leafs handed them uh, over a week ago. That's a distant memory now, and they've been rolling along until they ran into Calgary last night. They were 3-1 and one last week. Mike Smith is carrying a lot of the load in the nets, and uh, he had two game starts where he got two wins last week, allowing three goals against, but he was hit with a four spot last night. And it makes me wonder, how much can they lean on this, this 38-year-old goalie? They need to get an upgrade in the nets uh, between him and, and his uh, backup, Koskinen, they're just not getting it. And when you measure them against other goaltending uh, situations in North Division, uh, it moves Edmonton down the pack when you're ranking the teams. Of course, they've got Dreisaitl and McDavid. They combined for 18 points last week. Dreisaitl with six goals, McDavid with two. And Nurse uh, continues to provide some offense from the back end along with Tyson Berry. But Berry's nicked up at the moment here, so be concerned about that if it's anything more than a, a, a day or two. Ryan Nugent Hopkins even chipped in with three assists. So the signature players are the ones that are carrying the load. And the, But the recipe for success here is if you, if you can stop number 87 and 29, you got a real good shot to beat the Oilers now. They're actually playing together on the top line with Yamamoto, who instantly becomes DFS relevant as long as he's sitting alongside those guys. Uh, another guy that you can keep an eye on with some offensive upside is Tyler Ennis. He moves up to left wing on the second line to apply his one-way game there. And the guy who's been losing out on ice time is James Neal because he's just simply not scoring one point in his last six games now. Uh, he's another one-way guy, AJ, and when it's not working offensively, he has no relevance in DFS. Oh, absolutely. And the only the only cautionary tale I'd say about Yamamoto is like his salary is going to be so low um, and he's playing with those guys that, you know, he might just be just too high of, of drafted percentage to really make him uh, workable if you're trying to win a big tournament. Um, but of course, if he goes off, then you're the one guy that didn't use him. Then, then you're sunk <laughs> too. So, you know, it's, it's a tough call either way. Look, I'll say this about James Neal. Um, if you want to make the playoffs, have James Neal on your team. The guy hasn't missed the playoffs in, I think it's like the last 10 years. I'm, I, I didn't have it pulled up in front of me, but uh, wherever he's been the last few seasons, he's made the playoffs with Edmonton, Calgary made the playoffs, Vegas, Nashville before that, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think it's been about 10 years or longer since this guy has personally missed the postseason. Um, <laughs> and so that's, you know, that's a good value to have. Um, yeah, I finally found it here, Paul. It looks like, yeah, we've got uh, the last time James Neal didn't play in a playoff game would have been the 2009-10 season. Jeez. Um, yeah, absolutely. And he was with, uh, he was with Dallas that year. Uh, so, you know, hard to argue against, uh, you know, putting him in your lineup. You could probably get him relatively, you know, cheap from Edmonton, just take his salary off the books um, and, and go from there. I, I think he'd be a great piece to add. The only downside is it's two more years. So, you know, Edmonton's probably not going to want to retain a lot of salary for, for that much longer. Um, so fitting him in could be tough, but I think he'd be a decent piece. 
and a change of scenery might benefit him at this point. Uh, looking to our next club, we'll talk about the Florida Panthers, who are finally seeing the Bobrovsky they paid for. Three wins last week, eight goals allowed, and the offense clicking as well. Barkov, three goals, one assist for Hagee, two goals, two assists. Owen Tippett getting in on the action as well. Um, and really, you know, some, some things finally uh, coming together. I, I think, you know, you look at this team at the start of the year, and there's pieces. There's there's bits and pieces here that you really like um, and and could work well together. And it, it just wasn't gelling at the same time. You'd have offense, but poor net mining. You'd get good net mining, mostly out of Chris Dreger to start the season. But then the offense would dry up. And but they're they're healthy. They've had a few guys that were injured uh, here and there. And I'm you know not shocked that they're on top of the division. Uh, if anything. I'm surprised that Tampa is not playing better <laughs> and, and that's not a knock on Tampa because Tampa is playing really well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a race for the top spot here, Florida, Carolina, and Tampa all separated by two points right now. Uh, and it's going to be a tight finish. I think these teams will continue to separate themselves. I mean, there's a seven point gap between Tampa and Chicago here. We knew this was going to be the class of the division, those three kind of separating themselves and then everybody else fighting out for the last playoff spot. Uh, uh, one thing that caught my eye here is Alex Wenberg is getting second-line minutes. That's been a, a bit of a black hole in, in the Panthers' lineup for years. Vinny Hinnestrosa was brought in to try and fill that role. He's listed number five on that list, that group right now. That just tells you how disappointed they are with his uh, level of play. Patrick Hornquist, a key addition for them, bringing in a bit of bite to their lineup and holding on to the second-line role on the right wing has some fantasy relevance for me too and i note that barkov and huberto are on separate lines those two formed one of the better tandems in the nhl over the last several seasons but having them separated now has really helped spread the offense a little bit and has been a big part of their success los angeles kings have uh, relied on a mix of the veterans having a big year a bit of a bounce back across the board and some youngsters finally taking the next step cal peterson is one of them as who stepped up recently although he uh, was not rewarded for three decent starts uh, last week he is getting a large share of the workload because jonathan quick has been sidelined with an injury adrian kempe five goals on the ledger last week uh, uh, Andreas Athanasiou, two goals. Kopitar, four points. Doughty, three points. You can see some new faces and some old veterans com- combining, as I said. The offense is really taking shape overall with the continued growth of these kids and the older players holding on to their, uh, f- rediscovering their form, I'll say. Uh, but uh, the news around Quick is not uh, not dire. He could return later this week, and if he does, that's just another feather in their cap here to surprise teams uh, on a on a go-forward basis. This team has not been the easy out that we forecast. Uh, One issue uh, remains. There's no upside in defense offensively outside of one Drew Doughty. That's an area that this team needs to bolster, and I don't know that the help is on the way uh, right now, AJ. Well, it could be on the way in terms of of trade options here, And, and one name that I've seen circulating is Dustin Brown. Now, he's a little banged up right now. We have him day to day. Um, but you're talking about a guy with uh, championship pedigree that's been around this team for a while. Uh, it wouldn't be a pure rental. He has one more season on his, on his contract after this one, bit of a sizable hit at 5.8 that, you know, that obviously would take some, some finesse there, but um, they could certainly get some good pieces back and maybe a young defensive prospect is, is, 
you know, what they uh, target in terms of a return here. Uh, I'll jump over to the Minnesota uh, Wild 4-0 week. Cam Talbot, two goal, uh, two games, two wins, one goal allowed. Kapo Kakinen, two games, two wins, three goals allowed. Uh, offense clicking as well and uh, some, you know, great names in terms of looking at this team's future. Kaprasov, four goals, one assist. Erickson Eck, three goals, one assist. Uh, Kevin Fiala, two goals, one assist. You see the trend, some young wingers uh, or forwards rather putting up some solid numbers. Look, uh, one name I want to, you know, talk about is, is Kakinen. It's been uh, over a decade since a goalie won the Calder Trophy. It was Steve Mason winning it for the Columbus Blue Jackets back in 2008-2009. And really, I think uh, if there's a year that it could happen, the, the numbers that we're seeing from Kakinen are, are such that it, it's certainly possible. Obviously, the fact that he's splitting time in the nets is what makes it hard. And I think voters on, on that uh, selection, you know, that's what they're going to look at. Did this guy play enough? To warrant it, maybe not, but uh, you know, 15 games, 11 wins. It's hard to argue with those type of numbers, uh, and and I really think he's probably worth consideration for for that trophy this year. Yeah, and I echo that sentiment. The only trouble is that Kaprasov uh, is another guy who's in the race too. Here, as you mentioned, might even split the vote locally in, among Minnesota scribes. Yeah. So that's good news, though. It's a nice problem to have in Minnesota. Matt Zuccarello is a nice winger to have too. I've been banging the drum for this guy as one of the better playmaking wingers. He added five assists last week to underscore that. And really, this offense took off. As much as the young guys are producing, it really took off when Zuccarello uh, rejoined the lineup in good health a couple of weeks ago. In Montreal, this team has been a bit of a thorn in the side of a couple of clubs recently. They're 2-2-1 two, two in their last five games. The last victory was last night in Winnipeg with an impressive win over the, home, the, the Jets who came back from a long road trip. Carey Price looks like he's back on top of his game, A.J., uh, now, in his last four starts, he has a couple of wins and has allowed only seven goals against in the four outings. Petrie, we seem to talk about this guy's offensive game every week. He, he had three more goals last week to lead the offense. Uh, Corey Perry even chipped in a couple of goals. But Josh Anderson is a guy I wanted to highlight. He did get a goal last night, but before that, he was only one goal and two assists in his last 11 games played. The one that he got last night was a bank shot from behind the net, so it wasn't really a high... Well, it was a skill play, but it was... Uh, not indicative of what this guy brings to the table when he's on playing well. And that's, I didn't see the physical game that I saw earlier in the season from him last week and in the last couple of weeks. And so that's a bit of a concern for me. GM Bergevin has 14 picks in next summer's draft. And I think he knows that this team has got to be more, more relevant in the North Division than it has. They're ranked fourth right now, and that's in jeopardy with a hard-charging flames behind them so I expect him to be very busy particularly with Ben Chirot's injury news and long-term absence meaning that they need to upgrade on the back end it's clear that, the, that they'll go hunting for defensemen and uh, so you look for that as a possibility in the meantime Victor Mete is one guy who has come back in the lineup to get a chance to prove himself again but he's in competition for a depth role there still Jonathan Drouin has had an interesting year he's had only two goals on his ledger but he has picked up now 17 assists in in almost 28 or 29 games played this season so as a playmaker at least he's doing his part but they need him to score more absolutely well that was pretty thorough paul uh you're a montreal Habs uh expert there and so i'll just dive into uh into new jersey who had uh, another rough week oh two and two 
you know, some signs of, of good news. Again, that's what you got to pick and choose your battles here. Uh, Kukunenen uh, got four goals and one assist. Uh, Jaeger Sharangarovic, uh, two goals, one assist. And then Travis Zajac with a five-pack of assists. The interesting thing about the net mining is uh, Mackenzie Blackwood was the one that took the two straight-up losses with a .871 goals against average. At least Scott Wedgwood got them the overtime losses, one point for each of those, a .891 save percentage. Look, uh, I have never been fully sold that Mackenzie Blackwood is the answer here. Now, the team around him is not great, and so it's hard to truly evaluate him on that. Um, but I definitely think he needs to be better than he has been. Uh, and for me, in terms of fantasy season long, uh, I don't touch him with a 10 foot pole right now. Uh, and really, you know, not a lot in New Jersey. Now DFS, the right matchup comes along. Maybe there's some spots to pick on this team. And I'll leave it at that until we get to our DFS segment later. You know what? One name that I wonder if if he will be moved at the trade deadline is P.K. Subban, A.J., but it will require the Devils to hold on to a sizable portion of his uh, contract. They could hold on to maybe half of it, I understand. And that leaves still $4.5 million on the books of the team that would acquire him next year. And uh, so maybe they take a, a chance on a guy who would certainly be a difference maker at least in terms of the energy that he brings to the table and maybe in a in a better lineup situation, maybe you get more offense out of him. He certainly has those capabilities. In Nashville, it was a tough week for the Preds. Pecorini uh, shouldering most of the goalie load. Three game starts, but a whopping 13 goals against. So not having a great season there. And uh, they can't wait for the return of UC Saros to take some pressure off the veteran and maybe share the load a little more equitably going forward. Mikael Granlund is yet another guy who, even though his production is down, he's been in a lot of noise around trade rumors. It's the second straight year that I've seen a dip in his production. So I don't know if I'd be too anxious to pick up a guy who is trending downward that way. I mentioned and you see Saros, he may be ready to rejoin the lineup later this week. So keep an eye on the goaltending mix going forward. On the downside, Matt Duchesne is expected to miss another week, uh, a, couple, a couple of weeks, but he has not lived up to his contract in the last couple of years in, in Nashville. And this just uh, underscores the, the dilemma that they have when he can't even stay healthy right now. Colton Sissons is a guy who will see more time in the absence uh, of uh, the uh, hopefully high-scoring pivot as he returns to, to a top-six role. He has four goals and no assists in 28 games. I don't think that's the answer at center, so I'm saying stay away from him. Eric Halla with three points in his last five games might be a better option for me. That's what Coach Bruno will do. Defensive uh, stalwart Matthias Ekholm is another subject of trade rumors. This guy's got a real good cap-friendly hit for 3.75 million for what you get out of a guy like this i think there's a long lineup of suitors for his services and could be a real bidding war that nashville needs to really win big on that deal to let uh, a guy of his quality go well i'll say this if they trade away matthias ekholm especially right now they are 100 percent giving up on this year when you consider roman yossi and ryan ellis are both out of the lineup, not to mention uh, more bottom pluggers, Mark Borowicki and Lucas Pisa. You're basically saying we have one, maybe two good defensemen on the team, and we're going to trade one of them away. I mean, you're basically calling it on this season if if that's the case. Now, maybe they are, and maybe they should be. Um, But 
Uh, I definitely would be surprised to see Ekholm get traded at least before they get Yossi or Ryan Ellis back in the lineup. Another team dealing with guys out of the lineup is the New York Islanders as Anders Lee was placed on long-term IR and he will be done for the remainder of the regular season. Now, it's important to note regular season in that release. Certainly possible they could add him back uh, in in the postseason and that would definitely help uh, their, their top six there. The one guy that's going to benefit the most out of that is Kiefer Bellows. And he showed that last week with three goals uh, in their four games. But the key to this team is exactly what we thought it always would be defense and set in front of net miners. It's how Barry Trotz uh, coaches this team defense first, solid net mining. And they're getting that out of uh, the, the two guys back there. Simeon Barlamov, two wins, a point nine, five, one save percentage. Ilya Sorokin starting to find his game in the NHL too. Two wins there, .906. And look, Varlamov probably not going to win uh, the the Vesna. And part of that has to do with the fact that Andre Vasilevsky is just so far ahead of everybody else, in my opinion. 17 wins in 21 games, a .934 save percentage. I think right now the only guy really challenging him is Marc-Andre Fleury, but Varlamov is at least right there in the mix. He's got three shutouts that keeps him on pace. He's just got a, you know some fewer wins than the top of this this goalie group this year, and part of that is because of Sorokin. So uh, you know if they could give the goalie to bo- uh, the Vesna to both guys, <laughs> maybe uh, the Islanders netminders could combine to challenge. But um, certainly still having a phenomenal year, and I would not be surprised to see him as one of the nominees, though I don't expect him to win. Well, you touched on the goalie situation there. It's also significant in New York, but there's an injury that's complicating matters there, and that's the reason why Keith Kincaid got into three game starts last week and uh, posted a win, a shutout win, uh, in his, for his only positive decision. And uh, the rest of the story around the Rangers and the Nets is Ilya Sh- Igor Shosturkin, rather, is on the IR, IR with a groin injury, and groin injuries are very unpredictable for netminders and uh, no, no uh, less the situation for Shaturkin. There's some uncertainty about when he's going to come back. And in the meantime, that means Kincaid is shouldered the load, oddly enough, when uh, Alexander Georgiev is in the mix here. I expected him to get more of the work, and maybe now that, that uh, Kincaid has kind of had a bit of a subpar week overall, except for the shutout, uh, they will turn to the other uh, import goalie that they have there and see what, whether Georgiev can carry a string of games. Positive news, though, on the uh, rest of the club. Artemi Panarin rejoined the lineup and uh, immediately started scoring. So he is a must-start in DFS uh, in in the right matchups. We mentioned about the Shesterkin situation. No clear timetable for his return. On the defense, Jacob Truba has been back from his thumb injury where he missed eight games, recording two points in his last four games played. Still, that gives him only five points in 18 games played this season. I wonder where this guy's offensive game has, has disappeared to. I thought he would thrive in, here in New York, AJ, but it hasn't really worked out that way. And, and Adam Fox has really passed him uh, to be the linchpin on the power play for, for the defense here. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at, uh, you know, you look at the, the minutes for Adam Fox in, in, their, in his last four games. He missed out last night being in the COVID protocols. But uh, power play ice time for Fox over the last four games is an average of four minutes uh, per game. I mean, that's astronomical how much they're using him on that, that power play. And so I think that's really the biggest thing that's affecting Truba's game is he's not getting the, the opportunities there 
uh, that he normally would have. And so we'll, we'll have to keep monitoring that. Obviously the Rangers uh, will be concerned that Pavel Buchnevich is also uh, ended up in the COVID protocol and missed out Monday. So it's, you know, questionable when they'll get Fox and Buchnevich back. And obviously it's important to monitor whether this begins to affect other players in the lineup as, as we've seen in the past in Ottawa, it's always bad news um, for this team. <laughs> One in three last week, and they don't, they haven't had Matt Murray. He's been out. Marcus Hogberg has been out even longer. So they've been relying on youngster Joey Decord, uh, who, you know, bagged uh, his first win uh, in uh, uh, NHL win against the Maple Leafs, uh, you know, last week. Big, big day for him. Bad day for Paul, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, the numbers for him in the NHL are, are not great. Even in that game, he gave up three goals uh, on 36 shots. Overall in the year, seven appearances for him, one win, three losses, one overtime loss, and a 3.35 goals against average. So, uh, you know, this is a, a, a 24-year-old kid that's been tossed to the wolves a bit here. Uh, 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 you know, not a strong team around him. Not really expected to see any minutes this year. You know, they obviously they had Hogberg and, and Murray, um, but with those guys banged up, it'll probably continue to be decored for a little while here, and, and that's obviously not good news for their chances to win some games. But the news is not all terrible there. They're developing some youngsters. Tim Stoosley looks like a re- the real deal in terms of a game-breaking player. And Brady Tuchuk is, is a captain in waiting for me. He got two goals and one assist last week. And I watch a lot of the Ottawa games. This guy brings it with a lot of energy, a lot of heart every night. You'd love to have a guy on your team like this. And they thought they had a game break, another game-breaker in Batherson, and he is just a, a finisher. He's a closer, AJ. Two goals and one assist to his numbers last week as well. So there is some hope for the future as they're developing some a nice group of forwards there. Uh, that trio earning my accolades this week and uh, could be a thorn in, in team sides uh, going forward in this Northern Division. Philadelphia Fly... Real quick, Paul, I got to ask, who said that Tim Stutzley would be a better or a more NHL-ready prospect uh, than, than the gentleman from uh, uh, the Rangers? Now, who uh, may have said that you, in our preseason shows? That's why we, ha- we urge our listeners to listen to this program, because you're going to get opinions here that are right more, way more often than they're wrong. I, try, I put our win percentage against any prognosticators out there, AJ, and I watched them all. So uh, I think uh, a well-deserved pat on your back for that call for sure. The uh, Philadelphia Flyers went one and two last week, AJ, as we get back into the, uh, the role through the teams here. Brian Elliott is the guy that's been carrying the load in the nets there because Carter Hart has lost his game of late, just uh, doesn't seem to be very confident. And uh, lucky for them, they have a veteran in the nets of the quality of Elliott who in three games start, starts allowed only eight goals against him. He's doing his part right now while he's carrying the extra load. Uh, on offense, the offense is uh, gifted with the ability to put Giroux and Voracek in a third-line role. These guys were first-liners here not so long ago, so you know they're developing some young, younger players in the top six there. Farabee has been an impact player as well. Uh, JVR has continued to be a real surprise contributor in some quarters. He was pegged as a third-line winger on this team with some justification, but I always thought this guy was uh, gifted at the offensive end of the ice and in the right mix, uh, like he has in Philadelphia. He's thrived. He's got 13 goals to his ledger now. He's one up on Farabee, the youngster who has 
who has already uh, topped his total of last season's 21 points. One other interesting lineup adjustment that I, that I mentioned, I want to repeat, is that Giroud and Voracek are third-line minutes. That doesn't mean a third-line listed, rather. That doesn't mean they're playing just third-line minutes. They're getting a lot of looks on power play, and, and we saw in overtime how they did get some ice time there and combined for a beautiful game-winning goal in that matchup uh, last evening. So some good news in terms of the, the variety of offense and the fact that that their backup goalie can carry the load, but really some concerns for me about Carter Hart and where he has gone. Well, I'll just leave it at that and get to what I wanted to talk about all day today, and that's the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins. 3-0 and last week, undefeated in their last five. They I'm sorry, we have no more time on the show. <laughs> <laughs> picked up another win last night over uh, the, the Boston Bruins. Uh, you know, the, I got to start with the goaltending. It's been phenomenal. Uh, Tristan Jari, Three wins in his last three games, .950 save percentage, making some huge saves. And that's actually the worst of the two save percentages from the netminders last week as Casey DeSmith pitched a shutout in his lone uh, appearance last week. And so really just phenomenal netmining from those guys. Uh, and the, the bad thing for the rest of the teams in, in that division is Evgeny Malkin has finally found his legs after – uh, what could arguably said was his worst start to the season. Some of the worst hockey that I've ever seen of Denny Malkin played happened earlier in this season, but he's got six points in his last four games. Sid, the kids got seven over that stretch as well. Um, the power play is finally starting to click and they've got a, 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 a third line in Teddy Bluger and Brandon Tanev that not only works well uh, matching up against opponents there, but they work well on the penalty kill. Those guys picked up, a shorthanded goal over the last week as well. And, and really has made that into a positive for them. Obviously you, you don't want to take penalties, but if you have to, and you can use a guy uh, like Brandon Tanov and his speed to pick up goals, it's, it's only going to benefit you. They've done all this without Jared McCann or Jason Zucker in the lineup. Those guys, uh, Zucker is obviously out long-term McCann. There's some rumblings. He could be back sooner rather than later. And that has created a spot in the lineup for Evan Rodriguez to get top six minutes uh, and, and, you know, worth at least considering since he returned to action. Uh, he's got two assists, a goal last night. Um, so maybe give him a look. He won't cost you much on DFS and he'll play with Evgeny Malkin and Paul's favorite, Kasperi Kapanen. <laughs> AJ, if there's one concern, I'm going to take my pin and poke your balloon and say that it's the production from the back end uh, in terms of offense. Apart from Chris Letang, they looked for guys like Mike Matheson, Marcus Pedersen, and, and maybe John Marino, who's out of the lineup, to contribute offensively. But between the three of them, they've got precious little. So you've got to think that they'd be hunting for some more offensive support at the trade deadline. That's one area where I think the Penguins will be addressing their concerns going forward. San Jose Sharks had a nice week. They went 3-0. and Devin Dubnik getting two of the wins in his two starts, allowing only two goals against. That's outstanding net mining, and we don't normally talk about outstanding net mining when we talk about the Sharks, do we? Uh, Evander Kane has been the subject of some off-ice issues, but on the ice, three goals and one helper for him to lead this offense. Kevin LeBanc finding life in a top six to his liking with two goals and two helpers. Even Ryan Donato, who's a guy with some offensive upside, has chipped in with three assists. Best news of all, Thomas Hurdle looks like he hasn't missed a beat since his return from a long stint on the IR. 
one goal and two helpers in two games back and he's in the top he's on a scoring line situation driving the second scoring line that has been preciously uh, expected to produce for a long time but now with him in there they have a reasonable opportunity to do so after i blasted speak about listening to the show maybe eric carlson has been doing so aj <laughs> because i blasted him a couple of weeks ago and, and since then he's produced five points and a plus seven in his last seven games played that's by far his best stretch maybe even going back to last season he's also made noises when the club was the subject of some rebuild news recently he said he's not down to be a part of that at all that would mean make for an ugly situation i think because his contract is almost untradeable here so uh keep an eye on that situation as it percolates uh, mark edward vlasic is another veteran blue liner whose offensive and defensive contributions for that matter are in decline for a second straight season and he's another long-term big ticket here on the salary cap too so some real tough news for them on the salary cap front if the these two guys can't play even a little bit better to justify somehow justify the big bucks that are being paid for them. Well, I think the thing with the Sharks is again you have to pick and choose your matchups. You know they have a lot of talent and a lot of players that uh, have been underwhelming a little bit. But if they're going to be in action against Arizona, Anaheim, uh, Los Angeles, especially those are spots where you can maybe utilize them uh, in DFS or even, you know, because of how the schedule is this year, um, even in season long, you plug them in for a week. If they're, you know, if it's, if they're playing Anaheim twice and Arizona twice in a week, maybe stick those guys into your season long lineup. It's certainly worth taking, taking a look in St. Louis. It was a pretty disappointing week as they went Oh, one and two. Um, but some good news there in that they locked up Johnny Bennington for his future six years at six million per that will uh, cement him. And not that he had any questions about it, but obviously cement him as their number one option there. I don't think there was any chance that that wouldn't be the case. Uh, obviously good news is they got Vladimir Tarasenko back one goal and three assists. Look, uh, this team has had so many injuries. Jaden Schwartz, Ivan Barbashev, uh, Tyler Bozak is getting ready to come back. He's expected to play Wednesday, Robert Thomas. And then you add Tarasenko back into the lineup. Things are just shuffling around so much. So the, the tough week doesn't surprise me. Um, when you have a, a big a big guy like that, like Tarasenko, who comes back in the lineup, sometimes there's not immediate uh, wins as a result because everybody's getting used to playing with new people. You're, you're not going to, you know, put Tarasenko in on the fourth line or something like that, where it doesn't really matter. He slots into your top six and it shuffles things around. So if I'm a blues fan, I'm not worried about the bad week. Uh, especially when you consider that they did still get two points out of it with the overtime losses, you know, it's better than nothing. So uh, I think is no reason to panic. They're totally fine. And you have Tarasenko, we'll get it together. Bozak's back in the lineup that's going to shore them up down the middle. Uh, and, and things are going to turn around. Yeah, I uh, look at the defensive structure of this team. It's still in ta- intact, and that gives me hope for them, despite that long injury list. I mean, consider the pairing of Krug and Justin Falk on the blue line, both noted, noted for their offensive side of their game, both sporting big-time pluses, despite the fact that they're not scoring like people expected them to. So that speaks to the overall structure of the defense here that's in place long-term. So don't worry too much about Bennington's struggles. He's going to be back there counting his money anyway behind a very strong team once the once 
all hands get back on deck. I just hope that he comes home to Richmond Hill and we can get him in to our family, Chris Kringle, through my daughter's uh, friendship with him because I want him to pick my name after that big deal. <laughs> The Tampa Lightning went 2-1 and one last week. Braden Point, three goals and one helper. Tyson, Tyler Johnson, a guy that I mentioned, uh, keep an eye on him, two goals, three assists last week. I hope you did and you listened because I did suggest that a week ago, even though you panned him, AJ. Uh, he's looking good there in a top six role. So you win some, you lose some, partner. Yeah, I'm going to have to br- <laughs> bring you down a little bit. You're all on fire because the Penguins are playing well, and you made a couple of good calls. Well, I made one too, uh, one there too. But uh, really, back to the, the Lightning, It's their, their secondary scoring has been intact all season long. You can move these guys up and down the lineup. It doesn't matter. They, they all seem to be able to produce. Look at Blake Coleman, two goals and two helps. Andre Palat, who was really one of the more underrated players in the league, I think. One goal, five assists. Cernak uh, even gets a goal and three assists last week. I did a, take, a double take, though, when I saw Detroit beat uh, Tampa last week. It was a rare night off for this club, but you can still see that the offense is coming from throughout the depth chart with the names, some of the names that I indicated. They'll still have a bis- the biggest addition to their lineup of any club at the trade uh, soon after the trade deadline as Nikita Kucherov is back skating in his rehab and on track for a playoff return. Uh, all I can say is the rich get richer here. They've also split up uh, Stankos and Point on the top two scoring lines. That's just to spread the scoring a little bit and, and see what they can get out of the, the support players there and what they're getting is a lot right now. Well, and you look, so they, they lost last night as well. And you, so, you know, maybe you have a bit of panic. Oh, they lost to Detroit. They've lost two of their last three Look at the netminder for those two games. It wasn't Vasilevsky. He's still on an eight-game winning streak. Um, you know, getting a, a couple of nights off here because March is, is really busy for, for a lot of teams. And so uh, I wouldn't worry about them. You know, it's a good time to rest him up a little bit. Uh, you know, you've got the room to lose a couple games. Nobody wants to lose a game, but if it happens, it happens. You've got a little bit of space there in terms of the standings. Uh, get him rested and ready to go for a final push down the stretch because, you know, once once they get into the playoffs, it's going to be all Vasilevsky from there on out. In Toronto, uh, a tough week. I'm surprised Paul was even able to pull it together for the show as they went <laughs> one and three. Um, you know, Freddie Anderson, uh, you know, one win in four games, certainly not good enough. 14 goals allowed there. The offense, you know, not not too many concerns there as far as I see it. Maybe you see something a little bit different, Paul, but you got three goals out of Zach Hyman. Matthews with five points over that stretch. Willie Nylander, four points over that stretch as well. So I I really don't see too many concerns uh, offensively. So it's more about keeping pucks out of the net. And a rare bad week for Freddie Anderson, as I see it at least. Let me pick that up because it's been the subject of rumors here in Toronto too that people are down on Freddie. The goals that were scored against him, two goalie experts in the media broke them down. And they were either tip-ins or cross-ice passes from face-off dot to face-off dot. The structure of this this team is to keep the play to the outside. There were too many opportunities inside the dots that, that happened this past week to leave him with virtually no chance on most of the goals that he allowed. He's making the stops that are reasonably expected, but uh, the goals that beat him, I have no quarrel with with too many of them. I could say maybe one or two out of the 14 could have been pinned on him. So I'm one of the naysayers that say it's not Freddie's fault. 
the structure around this team defensively has been failing, and that's the nub of the issue. And they got to get that straightened around. Maybe they're working on it. They're lucky they don't have a game until Friday to, to lick their wounds and get things right. And I think they will. They're still the class of the North Division, despite what anybody says. Vancouver Canucks 2-1 and one last week. They're a team that's turned things around. They even got another win last night in Ottawa. So it's three out of the last four for them. Thatcher Denko has stolen the net completely from Braden Holtby, picking up three wins in those the last four starts as well. And they're doing it with all, without Elias Pettersson, who's missed the last six game, games. And he's not even flying out with the club on their current four-game road swing this week. So keep an eye out for that situation to see how much longer they'll be without their signature piece offensively. In the meantime, JT Miller has taken his place at center on one of the scoring lines, and he's, he's rolling along. He's got better than a point per game in that stretch. Demko, as I said, is as performed very well for them and before last night's game he had a string of two goals or less against in six of his last seven starts so right on top of his game this guy's in in line for a big pay hike coming off an expiring 1.05 million dollar cap hit as a restricted free agent at the end of this season and I wonder if we'll ever see an offer sheet this might be a prime circumstance because meanwhile Braden Holtby struggled to hold uh, 356 goals against average in his 11 starts and his cap is 4.3 million dollars going into next season yeah the interesting thing there too is the fact that he's only played once uh you know since since the end of February uh in their last looks like you know 10 11 games He's only gotten one uh, opportunity, and it, it was a bad one, as you alluded to. The the Jets lit him up for four goals on uh, on 38 shots. So uh, I, you almost wonder: Are they not playing Holpe because they want to try and slide him past Seattle next season? Like, are they hoping that they can uh, keep him as as the number two behind? You know, if they play him too much, he'll he'll look good or or something. But yeah, surprised that they did as well as they they have last week without. Uh, Elias Pettersson in the lineup. He's just too important to this team for them to have any sort of success without him moving forward. In Vegas, uh, a bit of a hit or miss week as they went uh, two and two over over that stretch, um, but they continue to get uh, solid net mining from Mark Andre Fleury. Played in all four of those games, picked up two wins. Obviously, you would like a little bit more if you're a Golden Knights fan there, um, but his numbers were decent at a 2.29 goals against average. 0.917 save percentage, uh, you know, and they had a bit of a, a scare there that they were going to have to use uh, youngster Logan Thomas, you know, Robin Leonard has been out and then flurry uh, ends up on the COVID protocol list at this point with how quickly he was removed from that list. You have to imagine it was a false positive test. though no official confirmation of that from the team, at least that I have seen offensively, you know, Mark Stone, three goals, one assist, Certainly uh, decent there. Match pass already. One goal, three assists. Um, but, you know, there's some disappointment again. Uh, what we saw in the playoff, March Assault, including last night's game, you got uh, three points in his last five contests. Uh, it's decent, but not good enough. Willie Carlson, one assist in his last five games. Uh, so certainly some of those guys that you expect to produce at a higher level just aren't offensively. And it, you know, the net mining could be perfect, and you're still going to lose games if, if you don't have uh, any offense to show for it. Well, and they're getting uh, another surprise contribution from the back end. Maybe the rich are getting richer here, too. Dylan Coughlin got a hat trick last week from this blue line position and has five points to show in a limited number of games. Uh, if they added another offensive piece beyond Martinez, 
Theodore and Alex Pietrangelo, who's out of the lineup here. So uh, despite some injuries to key players like him, Chandler Stevenson, and uh, Will, William Carrier, Robin Leonard, that's four guys that are normally part of the mix here. And uh, really, the, they're treading water. This is still one of the powerhouses in the NHL. So uh, I think by the time all hands on, on deck, uh, they get all hands on deck again, there'll be nothing to worry about. But uh, right now, a bit of a blip in the road. And uh, your guy Flurry there uh, shouldering most of the goaltending responsibility while Leonard's away, obviously. In Washington, they went 3-0 and last week and uh, put a beating on the Sabres again yesterday. So things are really humming along for the for the Capitals. Samsonov has looked really good. He's now 4-0 and uh, in his return after an extended stay in protocol. At least they learned that they have a very strong backup in Vitek Vanasek, who posted an 11-5-3 mark overall with decent peripherals. 288 was the goals against, 904 the save percentage. So they have a, a decent number, too, that they can count on. They know that, so that was probably the biggest positive that came out of Samsonov's absence. Uh, up front, they're getting a variety of contributors, as you would expect, but it's not just the usual suspects, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Carlson, and Backstrom doing their part, but Garnet Hathaway and Dowd, Nick Dowd, also chipping in, Dowd with three goals, Hathaway with three assists. Even Daniel Sprong has made an impact since taking over right wing on Tom Wilson's uh, normal spot. Wilson out with a suspension, obviously. Sprong had two goals and one helper himself last week, so the Caps are on fire, and I don't know that they're going to be slowed down anytime soon. I do find it interesting that, so Tom Wilson obviously suspended. Lars Eller uh, was unable to play last night with a lower body injury, and it says something about their depth that rather than using, you know, a guy like Daniel Carr, Brian Pino um, in the lineup, they went with seven defensemen, and, and that's a bit, if I'm a Cavs fan, that's a bit of a concern that they don't have enough faith in their depth uh, to that they're going to use seven defensemen. Um, you know, it's, it's always kind of a red flag for me when that comes up. Now, obviously, uh, they'll give Wilson back uh, in a couple more games here. Uh, looks like he's missed uh, five already, so he'll miss the next two, and then he'll be back and available for them. But uh, definitely something to watch as the season goes along. Maybe they try and add some depth, uh, you know, minor pieces, not minor players, but like small pieces that could fit a bottom six or even, you know, just emergency depth when, when something like this comes up in the future. For the Winnipeg Jets, a solid week for them, 2-0-1. Nikolai Ehlers, 3-3, three three, uh, three goals, three assists over that stretch. Appleton, two goals and one assist. Finally getting a little production out of Paul Stastny with two goals. Um, so a, a really good week for Winnipeg. They've had, uh, you know, consistency, I would say, is the biggest issue for the Jets this season. And some of that speaks to, you know, the names I just listed off. Blake Wheeler, just one assist in his last four games. Pierre-Luc Dubois, also one assist in his last four games. He has really, um, bust might be too strong of a word, but he has not panned out for them in the way that I thought he would when they added him to the lineup. Maybe it's that they're using him out of position and that they haven't really cemented how they want to use him. But I certainly would have expected bigger things for him They've flipped him and Paul Stastny most recently. So now Stastny's playing left wing on the top line while Pierre-Luc Dubois moves to center. Um, maybe that's a formula that'll work. I, again, I continue, as you are, Paul, to be surprised that they aren't using these guys 
as their three centers down the middle and that they feel they need to cram all, you know, both of them into the top six here. Yeah. That's just a reminder that people should look at the lineups that we post on a daily basis. I know you are part of a team that does a lot of work in that regard, AJ. And so if you want the best information to set your lineups when you're looking at DFS, you want to know who's playing with whom. And we do a better job than anybody in the industry uh, on that end. So a fine way for us to end the regular portion of our show. And uh, that wraps up our look around the league. Thanks for listening to podcast with Statsman and AJ folks. It's Rotowire's signature fantasy hockey podcast, as you know, and we're grateful for the support of our sponsor at Owner Box. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJSchull24. Don't forget, you can watch this pod on YouTube at Rotowire Hockey. As always, we invite you to listen into podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. Stay tuned for our DFS segment, which follows shortly, where we try to help you with money, win money on FanDuel and DraftKings platforms. Hey, DFS fans, we haven't forgotten about you. AJ and I, Paul Bruno, the Statsmen, are back with your daily fantasy sports picks with our thoughts ahead of tonight's schedule of games. AJ, there is no action in the North Division for me to focus on tonight, I don't think. But uh, you have plenty of uh, stuff to concern yourself with in uh, the American-based teams that you follow most closely, I believe. So uh, why don't I let you lead off with your DFS picks on the DraftKings platform? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, one of the, um, I kind of keyed in on, on two of the games tonight, uh, and that's Buffalo at New Jersey and Boston at Pittsburgh. Um, I, I think there's some opportunity here to, to pick and choose some spots based on circumstance. Um, the first one being New Jersey. Um, they have not been great of late either. Buffalo has obviously had their struggles, but for me, New Jersey is the better half of this matchup to try and utilize in terms of DFS action. And so I'm going to stack a line here from the, the jet, uh, the devils rather. Uh, and it's going to be their second line. I can get Travis Zajac in for just 2,900. He's been rolling with five assists recently. Uh, Sharon Govich at 3,500 on the wing and then bringing in, uh, on the, on the other side there, uh, Kukunainen as well for 3,400. So you get that full second line. They've been playing really well. Uh, and the Sabres have been bleeding goals, and I think will continue to do so. Now, an argument I, I would not, uh, you know, begrudge you an argument that you could be on the other side of this matchup and stack a line there too. It's two bad teams playing each other, but I think it opens up an opportunity to pick your spot here. The other matchup, as I said, Boston at Pittsburgh, and while I'm, our users that are watching on YouTube will notice the Penguin getup that I have on right now, <laughs> uh, as always. Look, you just you don't beat Boston that often, especially in a back-to-back. And I'll be honest, the Penguins took it to him last night in that four-to-one win. Uh, you know, it was never really that close, in, in my opinion. And so I expect Boston to come back with some fervor tonight, some physicality, and that's why I'm actually going to stack Boston's top line. As you wow. heard, I saved, <laughs> yep, I saved a bunch of money here um, on on that that using that devil's second line, mostly cheap guys, and that lets me get the full first line here from Boston. So Patrice Bergeron at 8100, Paul's buddy Brad Marchand at 7800, <laughs> and then uh, David Pasternak at 9200. So stacking the full line there, and I'll continue 
with a Boston stack here. I'll use Matt for Zalcheck at 4,600. He uh, offers some, some pretty good value for his role and, and doesn't break the bank in the same way that a Charlie McAvoy will. My other blue liner is going to come in the form of Justin Schultz. He's just 3,200. Yes, they're playing an Islanders team that has been very good defensively. So getting points out of him tonight could be a struggle, but he has such a cannon of a shot and, and really does well from the back end that I, that I think it's a good opportunity. In the Nets, I'm going to continue with the Boston stack here and use Daniel Vladder, mostly because he's going to come in ridiculously cheap at 7,300. And like I said, I expect Boston to win tonight um, based on the fact that they got pretty well handled last night and that's not something that the quote unquote perfection line allows to happen a lot of games in a row and look if i'm being uh, completely honest it'll blunt the blow if the penguins lose because if they do uh, i will be winning some money and if obviously if my pens come on top what's a little money among friends so uh, <laughs> i definitely am going to use boston tonight i think i definitely think it's the way to go in the play um but overall, I'm, I'm maybe uh, hedging my bets a little bit here. Fans of this show will know that he's ditched his, his fandom for the Penguins the first time in any DFS <laughs> segment in the history of podcast. This is a tape that has to go to the Smithsonian Institute, I believe. <laughs> it's such a rare piece of, of film that uh, I, I think I'm going to keep it for posterity, AJ. And you know what? I think the Penguins are going to shut out Boston tonight just because you picked Boston to win. I think Pens are going to I hope they do, Paul. I hope they do. <laughs> and interesting note the only guy that we have in common i think in terms of the rosters that we put out was matt grizzlick and i know i remember you said his price point was something like forty six hundred dollars on draft kings he's only thirty nine hundred on the uh on the fan duel side of things and that's one big reason why i plugged him in because i think he's one of the fantasy relevant offensive blue liners on the bruins who will show up tonight he's averaged 10.3 points per game i pair him with Jonas brodeen of minnesota who's had a nice couple of weeks in a row he's averaging almost 12 points a game so i'm looking at that average level of production from two guys that are not among the front runners in the defensive rankings to to anchor my squad that gives me a little bit of opportunity to spend money elsewhere i'll also finish up with my analysis the back end since i started with defense i'll go to the goalie and i pick my old pal james reimer from uh, carolina he's got a very tasty matchup against the detroit red wings and is part of a carolina stack that i feature in the building of my lineup in tonight's action i've had bad luck with the goalie picks despite that i've, I've wound up in the minute winner's circle with a high percentage of wins this season i hope i get it right this week with another lopsided matchup i think he's going to be very highly owned as well so i want to be on the winning side of this thing for once uh, going forward, I hope. In terms of the forwards that I stack up here, I've got the opportunity to put some big dollars on players. So I start with Steven Stamkos against Tampa, a very nice matchup for the fire wagon style of the the Bolts, who are against a, Tampa, a Dallas team that really compromised now with their structure of their game and their, their goaltending in a bit of a state of flux. I think Tampa's going to take advantage of that tonight, and Stamkos will lead the parade. I also feature uh, Gabriel Landeskog of Colorado against the Anaheim team that used to be known for the ability to keep pucks out of the net. Not only are they not able to do that, but not, they're not scoring much either. So I think it could be a real shootout, and Col Colorado could be on the, the right end of that one, and Landeskog in the mix there. The rest of my lineup, I go to the Sanders position. I got Sebastian Ajo for uh, one of the top teams in the league. 
to continue my Carolina stack offensively. $7,300, very cheap for a valid value. This guy brings game in and game out. I partner him with Nicholas Backstrom, who is getting the reps with Alexander Ovechkin. That's a big reason why I plug him in. He's only $6,600, so I get two centers that are way cheaper than they should be, despite their both, the fact they're both first liners on their respective clubs. Then I get the opportunity to put in uh, Martin Netzcash from Carolina, who's had a very nice season, play parlaying his efforts into a first-line role. Only $4,500 they're playing with Ajo. I'll take that all day long. That's a real good, sneaky, good value for me. And then I go back to Tampa for Alex Killorn, who's playing top six minutes and another very underrated player in the league for, for the money that he's being uh, on the board today for $5,100, another solid value play. So I went value hunting, uh, AJ, with my lineup, and it afforded me to put some big game hunters in the mix too. So uh, good luck to both of us. Any closing thoughts from you? No, it's just, it's an exciting slate tonight. Um, you know, without, even without the, the Canadian games, there's some real good matchups tonight. And as you said, you know, the, the spots to pick, you know, Carolina against Detroit, I think you could take either side of Buffalo, New Jersey, um, and Tampa Bay against Dallas is a, a Colorado against Anaheim. There's a bunch of matchups that are potentially have the potential to be one-sided here. Yeah, I'm looking for that to pay off, and I know you are too. But boy, you're going to be wearing this one if the Ruins win this win this game. I'll be all over you next week, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a fine place to leave it all off. We wish you good luck with your picks. Join us again next Tuesday for the following episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. So long, everybody. Yeah.